What's up, y'all? It's your man Ernest, so you love Ernest, same guy, different name, back again with another episode of the Let's Talk About It podcast. So, corn this, this part, at least right here, kind of late, later on at night. I know I should have done it earlier, but, you know, I, I guess I got lazy. I don't know. Um, nah, when I recorded this episode Saturday, it's a real busy day for me, um, so I didn't get to record, you know, the little intro part, but I wanted to make sure that I did that, um, and I gotta do the outro afterward. Um, you know, as you're gonna hear, this, the, the bulk of this episode is gonna be, uh, an interview I did, uh, with, you know, a pageant model, just overall rock star, superstar, if you ask me, uh, Sandell Taylor. Um, you'll get to hear her and just the conversation her and I had um, after I do this. But, you know, it seems like it's a trend of mine. Um, you know, when I do have something to say, uh, especially when lives have been taken um, or lost. So... Starting off the episode with some more rest in pieces. And, uh, you know, first one goes to, let me get this lady's name right, Raya Milton, or Rhea Milton, I believe it's Raya. Um, another trans woman, black trans woman, killed. Um, so rest in peace to her. I don't know what else to say that I already haven't said. And literally, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, you know, that wasn't the first time I mentioned a situation like this happening. And unfortunately, the, the way things are going uh, within the ignorance of the world, especially the treatment toward uh, trans women, um, it doesn't look like it's going to change. I hope, I, I want to be wrong. You know what I'm saying? I, out of all the things that I say, on this podcast, that it's one of those things where what I just said is one of those things where I want to be wrong in. You know, one of the many things actually that I say on this podcast um, that I want to be wrong on. You know, um, well, rest in peace to Raya once again. Hopefully, she gets justice just like I want. Uh, forget the her first name. Her last name was Dior. Um, how I want Dior to get justice and all the other uh, trans women and just trans folks in general, members of the LGBTQ uh, community who are still to this day being abused and <clears throat> murdered for simply being different. Um, you know, it's the, these atrocities have to stop. And like I said, these atrocities is something that I really want to end. Um, but seeing as the world just seems to be getting more ignorant, um, not just with the trans community, but other people as well, um, it doesn't look like it. Things are going to end now. I, I, I you know, I'm hopeful for this world to change and for a new shift. And along with this new shift needs to be um, more of an acceptance for Everybody, really, but especially the trans community and the LGBT community as a whole. Um, 
but we gotta we we it, 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 it's not just gonna take uh if it was just up to me and a snap of the finger and that would all change i i you know how long I would have already snapped my finger all right so once again rest in peace to her um another name on this list Toyin Salau. Um, Toyin is the Nigerian Black Lives Matter activist who, alongside with another activist, I forget her name. I apologize for forgetting her name. In fact, I will make sure to mention her next week. Um, no, actually, I'll mention her at the... I won't wait till next week. I'll mention her... Uh, at the outro, right? Because I don't feel like looking up her name and making this intro the longest intro ever of some sort. But uh, during the outro, I'll, I'll mention her name and give her her proper uh, rest in peace acknowledgement as well. But Toyin, yes. Toyin, uh, Nigerian activist um, and was raped and murdered, I believe. Uh, her... Her uh, attacker um, is locked up. He was found. Um, it's just crazy the, the what happened. Um, I actually wrote about just her and uh, just what went down and then all the backlash and the responses people were having and just my thoughts and feelings about the whole situation. Um, that's on my Medium blog. If I remember... Hopefully I do. I'll try to post that in the description box below along with the other uh, things you can view from myself. And again, once you hear about Sandel, you can check, you could uh, see where you can contact her as well. Um, that will be in the description box below. Um, but once again, rest in peace to rest in peace to uh, Toyin uh, Salau. Once again, I might be messing up her last name. I apologize if I am. Last but not least, the last rest in peace on this list goes to Rayshard Brooks. Sorry, y'all. It goes to Rayshard Brooks. Rayshard Brooks, another another black life taken by the police. Um, I have something to say about this again, maybe this will be the first topic, who knows, whatever, right? Um, I know people are gonna, detractors are always gonna do whatever and say whatever to detract, you know what I'm saying? They're gonna bring up the fact that he had a tussle with the police, so he was resisting arrest, and he pulled out a tape. He, he grabbed one of the taser guns from the cops. And then as he was running away, um, he turned around to try to shoot the taser gun at the cops. And then, then a police officer who killed him, uh, and it killed him basically. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going, it, it was also found that this man was drunk. Now, the reason why the cops were called on him in the first place is absolute BS. He was drunk um, and he was sleeping in his car outside of a Wendy's uh, parking lot. And 
apparently that's 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 a crime enough to call the cops. That's a reason to call the cops. I might make an episode uh, about just all the various dumb reasons people call the police on folks, especially black folks. But uh, yeah, that might be a future episode. I know next week I'm supposed to do another interview. So heads up if you are into like the interviews slash conversations and stuff. Well, you're likely going to get more of that. Um, but again, we'll we'll see. Uh, but next week it's going to be another one with it, with someone else. But as far as this idea about, you know, dumb reasons why people have called the cops and just my thoughts on it, that will be a future episode. Um but yeah, the cops were called on Rashawn because, again, this is a guy who was drunk and he was sleeping inside his car. Um, and he he just happened to be parked outside of a Wendy's uh, parking lot. Now, if they really wanted this man to get home, what's the point of people going to bring up public intoxication? The man wasn't driving. Like, there are some things where you just have to use your damn common sense and content screws. Uh, well, common sense, really. If the man was causing no threat to anybody, I can understand if he was on the, like, I mean, drunk drivers don't deserve to be shot for drunk driving. Uh, but the car wasn't on. He was inside the car, knocked the hell out until the cops came, woke his ass up. Tried to arrest him, basically. Uh, or apparently there was, you know, a, it was a screaming battle between him and the police. And then that's when things got physical. People can talk about, well, he shouldn't have been doing this. He shouldn't have been doing that. Um, and a lot of people never want to put themselves in the shoes of the individuals that they're talking about or they claim that they will comply. When we've seen many examples of black men complying and like, hey, late night Boston's people, loud music uh, blaring outside of cars, uh, people riding by and shit, late night Boston. That's all I'm saying. Um, but... Y'all can, uh, people can talk about, well, I would have done this. I would have done that and I would have gotten home safe. We've seen many examples of black men and black women doing exactly what you would have done. It didn't make it home at all. See, what you're failing to forget is you're not black. So you can follow all the protocols and get left with a warning with a ticket, brought into custody, but then released two hours, two, three, four hours later. You can do all that. But apparently, apparently, black folks can't, we can't live, we can't. We can't fuck up. We can't do anything. We can't we can't do the right thing. We can't do the wrong thing. We can't do nothing. We can't do something. We simply just cannot live. And a lot of y'all who think this way, 
Y'all would really love it to be that way. But that's not going to be that way. Sure, Rayshon wasn't perfect in his in the situation with the cops. He's drunk. My thing is, I I don't drink, so I'm not going to tell anybody what to do or what not to do when they're drunk. But you damn sure should not argue with anybody who has the license to kill while you're drunk. You shouldn't wrestle with them either. Even though he whooped their motherfucking asses. It seemed as though it was two cops on him. And he still got away. Almost got away I should just say. But. He he wasn't perfect in that situation either. But. You go on YouTube as I mentioned before. I've, I've talked about this. I, I told y'all to do this experiment. Go on YouTube and type in white people getting away from the cops or white people fight the cops. Or white people are resisting arrest. That's the better, more clear uh, YouTube uh, uh, search you can do. And you'll find white folks. The one that I think is the more popular one is the white guy who is... Beating the cop with the cop's own nightstick. Chasing the cop around the parking lot. The cop is running from this guy screaming, stop, stop, stop. The cop has the gun on his waist and has his taser gun as well and is not using either weapon. The cop is stop, 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 screaming stop. While this person is chasing them around with his own nightstick. Gets in his car steals the cop car, crashes it, they get into a tussle again and then until backup comes. Now again, I've made the argument before. I'm not saying the solution should be more white folks should be killed by the cops and more people should be killed by the cops. All I'm saying is that same restraint they seem to muster up when it's a white man beating the shit out of them. That same restraint should be used when it's a black man getting loud. A black woman simply just asking questions as to why she's being detained or why she was being stopped in the first place. So, rest in peace to Rayshawn Brooks. Once again, rest in peace to Ryan Milton and Toyin Salah. Now we're going to get into the uh, episode. Hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with the beautiful and wonderful um, Sandel Taylor. And uh, thanks for listening. Hello. Hey. All right, I got on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. For so sorry. I, I think it's something with my phone. When I click on the link, because I have the Anchor app, um installed it goes to the anchor app but then it says that it can't detect my microphone 
So then I have to try to open the link through like my regular internet browser. Yeah. And um, that was what was all. Oh, okay. Well, everything's working now, you know. Um, so yeah, great to have you on the show. I'm glad you could be a guest. Uh, if you don't mind, just tell the listeners, tell everybody about yourself um, and what you do and what brings you on here. Absolutely. So my name is Sandal Taylor, and I wear a lot of hats. So I am actually a cosmetology instructor by day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually teach a cosmetology school for adults, um, adult education during the day. I am a mother of two beautiful children and a half, if you count my husband, which I always make that joke because, you know, we're all half of a child at some point. And we have a fur baby. Um, we have a cat, and his name is Dash. And he kind of looks like the Puss in Boots cat. He's like orange tabby. He's super cute. Um, so for a job, that's what I do. But I'm also a volunteer um, for many different organizations, such as the American Heart Association. I've been a volunteer with them for over 19 years now. I volunteer with the Veterans Leadership Program and I've been volunteering with them for about 10 years now. I'm an advocate for heart health and mental health awareness um, and also behavioral health because my son is just outside of the autism spectrum. And so I just kind of do a lot of different things. And then on top of all of this, I also am a pageant queen. Um, So I love um, the doing pageants just because they allow me to talk about important issues more than just your everyday self. It gives me such a great platform to meet other amazing women and just people from all walks of life. And of course, you know, as a woman, it's just really fun to get an opportunity to dress up all the time. So, you know, you can't beat that. Nice. Nice. Uh, Yeah. I was reading that and I'm like, yeah, that's a real, interesting story like a lot of things uh you do a lot of things and as you said you wear a lot of hats so that's pretty cool um I want to touch on the mental health aspect of it um you don't have to go too deep into you just the the why it's something that's important to you if it's something too personal you would you don't want to share but basically just uh I would like for you to get into how you got started into um just focusing on mental health and and the importance of it and how has it uh, been beneficial for your life in what way, in any way? Absolutely. So um, I don't, you know, again, I don't know for you if you've listened to any other podcasts that I've been on, but I really feel that my journey for mental health started after I left a really negative situation Mm -hmm. Um, So I was a victim of domestic violence when I was with my son's biological father. And I left when my son was only about six months old um, out of that relationship because it turned violent. And after leaving that, I didn't realize it at the time that it had a lot of mental effect on myself. Um, But I realized it shortly after the effects that it had on me, such as depression anxiety, just not feeling worthy, um, and just a lot of, a lot of things personally. 
Um, so it was like over time that of me leaving and, you know, having what I say, thankfully, a great support system, because even though I was homeless, technically going through home to home to home, I had friends and family that allowed me to stay with them until I could get myself back on my feet. Um, and just kind of walking through that and feeling all those emotions like that. I never felt like I was good enough that I did something wrong that, you know, it was my fault because, you know, I, you know, had the child or whatever, whatever, like any, any thought that you could think was, was the reason why was thoughts that I was having. And then through, again, like I said, the support system and some programs that I personally went through and just really rediscovering myself, I realized that it was my fault. And then when my son turned five, um, I realized something unique about Mm. Um, I didn't know what it was at the time, but he was and he was with his teacher and they were doing a project and he was really struggling with this project. And he got so upset about this project that he actually picked up a chair and threw it. Um, so he didn't anybody. He just kind of got angry and threw the chair and it happened so fast and he wasn't really able to recognize what he did or how it happened like he was like mommy I don't know why I threw the chair I just got so mad and like right then and there even though my son knows right from wrong I realized that there was something going on in his in his mind so I started getting him um, for different just neurological disorders at first because at first like I said that he's like I know kids so but this anger was so fast and out of character for him mm. it really kind of like take a second long so you know, mom you know of course you know you call your doctors you know they're like well, let's just bring him in to be safe um so we just wanted to bring him and be safe like there wasn't anything serious going on um because this the anger didn't stop just there it started harder for him to understand what was going on in school it was harder for him to his emotion it was harder for him to understand even happy things it wasn't just always angry things and the information that was coming out in the school like it was it was a lot going on so it wasn't just one event that made me do this this was just the first event that kind of made me realize like hey maybe there is something more to this so we had him evaluated um, with a neuropsychological evaluation, and I had him evaluated actually by four different doctors. And I did that for a reason because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing anything. And the doctors that I specifically chose were specialists in pediatrics. Right. So they specialized in children. And I, again, I wanted to get diverse opinions. And really understand what was actually going on with my child. So I kind of went a little bit overboard, but no, I no, think that's that as a mom, <laughs> you actually it. answered uh, and... the questions I was going to ask about your son. I remember uh, when we discussed beforehand, you mentioned that about your son. So I was just going to uh, ask you to expound on it as much as you wanted to, of course. But yeah, just you 
to expound on it. And you did that. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, well, I'm glad. Thanks. He was originally, originally, this was when, again, he was five. He was diagnosed with ADHD. Which is like um, hyperactive disorder, attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And um, ODD, which is oppositional defiant disorder. And he was diagnosed with that. But as he grew up, um, they actually ended up ruling out, which means they kind of ruled out the diagnosis that he's not really hyper. He can actually sit still and learn the material. It was the connection piece. So they changed his diagnosis. Oh, now I'm trying to like think of what the year was, but it was it was definitely a few years ago. It, it was, I think, when he was like around seven or eight. Um, I'd have to actually double check. Should probably know that off <laughs> it's my heart, right, but it's, right. um, it's like there's so much like it history. Is, it's like so hard to remember exactly yeah, every date. Um, so I think he was like, like I said, around seven or eight. They actually changed his diagnosis to what's called social pragmatic disorder, and he still has the oppositional defiant disorder. So, um, just to kind of touch on what that means, so social pragmatic disorder or SPD or SPMD, you can hear it both mm-hmm. ways, is when they are highly influenced by their peers, and in social aspects, sometimes the connection isn't there. So meaning while he knows right from wrong, he's heavily influenced by his peers because he seeks that um, acceptance from his peers. And he um, can't always regulate that the peer might be telling him something bad to do. And he doesn't always recognize that, oh, I shouldn't do this. Even though my mom said I shouldn't do this, I need to do this because my friend's telling me it's okay. In addition to that, he does things to seek peer Mm -hmm. approval. Sometimes those are negative things. Sometimes they're positive things. We want to focus on the positive things. um, But typically when you have the combination, it unfortunately goes to more the negative aspects. So for the past five years, um, I've been advocating for his educational and mental health rights. And I'll tell you a little bit about why if you would like to know okay so um a few years ago um he was in third grade i think this was towards the middle of his third grade year which third grade is such an important uh grade because you learn cursive you're learning your true like fundamentals of your multiplication facts Like, there's a lot that you actually learn in every grade, but third grade is like a pivotal year. Um, Some schools, that's when they learn cursive. Um, Again, like, you're just learning so much in in that year. It's like a really key year. Um, There was an incident at his school, and I'm not going to provide too much detail on the actual incident, but the incident favored, um, involved, my not only my son but also another child and it unfortunately was an incident where it led to my son being put on a 45-day placement so what that means is that it was an incident that went against the school's Mm -hmm. conduct and they had to remove him from the school due to their policies and you would think 45 days is not long. So my son actually had to go to a different school for 45 days minimum. 
But they actually sent my son to a school that really wasn't appropriate for him at his age. He was the youngest kid there. And this was a, a, a school that he went to, which I'm very grateful for the teachers that, and the principal that were there. Um, but it was a school for more kids that unfortunately had some history in court systems um, and very increased behaviors. Not saying that my son didn't have any behaviors, but the behaviors that were in this school were like way more yeah. severe. And unfortunately, the school was just understaffed to begin mm -hmm. with. And then it exposed my son to behaviors that he really never saw wow. yeah. before. And then again, with that social pragmatic disorder, he's trying to fit in. So then now he develops new behaviors that he wasn't doing because he thinks it's, you know, either the, the word I'm going to use is cool or he thinks that that's the right yeah. way to do it because the other children are doing it. Now, again, each child in the school had their own issues to deal with, but it was a, it was a school that, like I said, there was a lot of behavioral issues in that we just didn't experience mm -hmm. before. And there was very little education, like very little, like they might do one worksheet a week because the amount of the times that the behaviors from not only my son, but of the other children were interrupting the classroom time because they were so unfunded. Wow. Um, and the hardest part about all of this was that I didn't really have a choice of yeah. where he went. Um, they said that I was going to have a choice, but they, uh, when it was presented to me, supposedly this was the only school that had a, a place for my son. Like they could accept my son, so to speak. So I really didn't have a choice. Um, because like I said, even though, like I said, I'm grateful. The staff was wonderful to deal with. They, they really tried. They just were completely unfunded and un just that they just did not have enough staff so through that experience like I've really learned what you have to do in order to fight for your children's education and also fight for your child to continue to learn what they need to do because it's not all on the school it's not all on the on on the parent surprisingly to most people's beliefs it's not all on the child the child is yeah. still learning they are still young you know they don't always understand it's a combined community effort it really is it has to start at home but you also have to have the community and the education and the staff that can handle it so i've really been focused on just kind of getting out there and talking about my experiences with my son. He has been bullied. He has been, and to put this in perspective, again, like I said, my child was in third grade. He probably weighed like 60 mm. pounds. The principal would not let him come back to school at the time because he claimed he was in fear <laughs> of my son. What? Okay. Like he literally claimed that he was afraid of my son. So this, this principal who is 
taller than me. I'm five eight, so he was over five eight. So I'm gonna say he's probably around six mm-hmm. foot tall. He was definitely over a hundred and eighty pounds. He's probably closer to like two hundred and two fifty pounds. Was afraid of my seventy pound son who was, you know, under five foot tall, and in third grade. <laughs> So that was his claim of why he was not trying to let my son come back to school. Um, so I had to hire an educational advocate, um, which um, educational advocates actually um, come free when you have a child that has like an IEP or a, a 504 plan. But I actually had to hire an additional advocate and an educational rights attorney um, because, like I said, they were trying to not let my son come back at all that entire school year. And it was a fight. It was a fight to get him to come back to the school. And even by the end of the school year, um, he wasn't in the school for a full week. So he lost so much education to the point where all of fourth grade, all of fifth grade, and even all of his recent sixth grade year, we're still playing catch up from that. Like we're still learning things. Like in fourth grade, he had to relearn all those concepts from third grade because he was behind, not from his fault, but because he just didn't have it. So we had to learn half a third grade, half a fourth grade, you know, and then, you know, same thing moving forward. Like, so it just trickles down to, you know, now he's in sixth grade and he's still, you know, finishing up fifth grade concepts. He's learning, he's still learning, you know, the rest of his sixth grade concepts. And now he's actually moving to middle school. Um, So he just graduated. I actually just put a post up about it on on my Facebook. Um, so, and I'm so proud of that moment because I literally didn't think it was going to happen. I actually thought like either they were going to hold him back or that, you know, he wasn't going to graduate elementary school. And it sounds a little bit crazy, but like, I'm just very proud because he's come so far. Like he's a completely different child than when this whole all thing happened. Um, Because like I said, um, you know, unfortunately he did learn some negative um, behaviors and we had to kind of go through all that. So he's just been doing amazing. He's playing sports, which he's always been a sports person. Um, but even now more so because his behaviors increase, he's playing like two different sports, uh, two different age groups. He plays, you know, not only for, um, our local, um, like boys and girls club YMCA programs. He also is playing for the school. Um, like he's just been really growing and obviously I think it's multiple reasons. So one, of course, maturity, mm-hmm. you know, he's 12 years old now. Two, I think the, again, us hitting that initial point of let's look into this more. We're not jumping the gun and saying something's wrong, but we're really looking Mm -hmm. into it. Three is our family fought for this. Like we have been working together as a team since this happened. And we are very involved in his therapy and his, um, work so I think that really is key and then number four was really my husband um which is not his biological father kind of stepping in and stepping up to the plate and really like working with him on not only 
loving a child that wasn't biologically his, but also on the aspect of like manhood, so to speak, like teaching him the things that even though I'm a mom and yes, moms can be dads too, but uh, you know, that's not the same yes. coming from a, a dad a figure, you know, it's right. just not, you know, and uh, you know, he's been in my son's life since he was two years old and I, I could not be more grateful because he is such, you know, an amazing man. He's very accomplished yeah. himself. Um, he's very driven and, you know, those are all attributes that I want my son to have. Um, so, you know, and I, it sounds so corny, um, but, you know, I really live what I think is a fairy tale life because I got a great happy yes. ending and his biological father is now back in his life as well, fully um, rehabilitated. He went through rehab um, because unfortunately he was, the violence came from an addiction to drugs. He's been completely clean and sober for over, I think it's now four years. Um, at, he's been in my son's life for the past two years, heavily involved. Like they have a great relationship now. Like it's really building. And like I said, I, it sounds so corny, but I cannot be more grateful to God because I really feel like it was God's work that did all that. Yeah. That, this is an, an amazing story, you know, <laughs> um, the, when you were describing the school system and just everything that your son went through, it was just, I, I, I fell for him. I fell for him. And I'm glad that he's on the right track. I'm glad he's doing well. Once again, congrats to him on his, um, his graduation. Uh, I'm a fan of him. I'm rooting for him. I, I, I want him to continue to progress in life. Um, you as well. Um, also, I know your husband, he's a Marine, right? If I'm not mistaken. He's, he's in the and, army. He's so he's retired. now. He's a veteran. Mm -hmm. So my husband is a former um, army staff sergeant in the army. Right, yeah. yeah. Appreciate him for his service. Uh, just got a couple questions last two. Uh, going back to the mental health aspect. I was just going to ask you, was this was mental health? something that you've always uh, cared about? Like, did you grow up and it was something that you didn't take for granted um, and you learned in your household? Or again, was it just defining moments that happened in your life that made you really uh, cherish mental health and, and, and just take it seriously? So, um, I really feel like it was the defining moments that changed yes. it. Um, but going back to growing, growing up. Um, and like I said, at this point, I should, I, I've been thinking about writing a book because yeah, it's crazy. All this stuff that's happened to me, you know, and I'm only 32. Um, my dad actually had a heart yeah. attack and stroke at the, when I was 17, um, that left me homeless um, and left him paralyzed on the left-hand side. So when I was 17, I actually became an advocate for the American Heart Association. And I always had focused on mind, body, and soul um, to a degree like mental health as far as how can we become mentally healthy for our hearts, like yoga, meditation, and then obviously the physical health, like the actual body, you know, what are tips and tricks that we can do to become more heart healthy, and then soul health, like um, internal health, like us being happy, 
um, smiling mm-hmm. more, like just those simple little things. Like I call it the do you chapter. Um, so I always kind of did that after my dad, you know, had that issue, but I never really got into mental health education and mental health rights and the um, connection got so much deeper for me after I went through those triumphant phases and realizing that the most, the key important important thing is is that you don't know when someone is going through these things, unless you ask, I mean, yes, there are signs of depression and um, you know, of that nature, but we also have to be very observant, especially when it comes to being a parent and, I'm blessed. Like I said, I really feel like God has to be watching over me because he knows that I'm destined to do great things, which is why I feel called to pageantry, which is why I feel called to the organizations that I've been working with and why I've been called to even do podcasts like this. I feel like this is what I'm meant to do. I feel like I was meant to continue to tell my stories and my kids stories and my husband's stories and the stories that really can educate people. Um, And so with that, it just, it's kind of just blossomed from there. And like I said, I can't be more grateful because I really feel that now I am such a different person. And even than what I was 10 years ago. And I really look at my life and I'm like, grateful for the experiences that I've gone through as much as as hard as they are and as hard as they have been I'm like well if I can do that I can do anything right like it's like if I can do that I I can do anything you know and it's funny that you say that because like somebody just told me like yesterday right they're like well he's going in the seventh grade seventh grade's supposed to be like the hardest year I was like I don't think so Mm -hmm. man I'm like, I think my third grade year trumps anything that could potentially happen this year. And I'm like, if I can do that, we got this, you know, I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, so of course now my mind, I'm like preparing for like world war (laughs) two over here in my mind, like, and, and not in an actual worldly war, but I'm talking about like in my own, like, okay, well, what is now going to happen? Um, and I can only like have a little joy with it because I know that even if we, if, even if we struggle, which we all do, right. Something great is going to come out of it. I don't know what it is yet because it hasn't happened, but something is going to come out of it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it all started from, like really like life lessons and more so now I just find it so important because that mental health can lead to, you know, drug, drug overdose, which is so important now in today's world. It can lead to Mm -hmm. suicide. It can lead to, um, just getting in the wrong crowd, which again can lead to all those negative things. And it can really, um, impact somebody's life just and to me if if we can change that or give them give people something that they can do to help I think that that's our goal nice um 
I want to go back to uh, your son's condition. I thought it was interesting how you mentioned, um, you know, the, the, the aspect of when he's around his peers and he, I don't want to, I don't want to use the term fall into peer pressure, but uh, he'll do what they do. Do you think that this is uh, what your son has gone through is this is something that because this is my first time hearing something uh, to that magnitude so I want to know uh, just from your thoughts do you think that this is something that uh, many people especially here in America are we aware of this uh, this condition um, because you, you you I mean you could just look on the internet you can look outside you see people it seems as though all the time doing things uh, for the approval of other people or doing uh, things that other people are doing. Um, and I don't want to make it seem as though it's, it's that easy and that's exactly what your son is doing. But uh, in regards to just uh, some of the experiences you, you shared, do you think that, um, Again, it, this is something that we need to uh, pay more attention to. Or do you think that it, once you found out your son uh, about your son's condition, it, it, it was it just opened your eyes to the many other uh, individuals out there who are just like your son? So you're right when you said that it's not just heavily influenced by yeah. your peers. Do I think that people are influenced by their peers? Absolutely. Yeah. However, I'm not saying I'm not worried about that because of course that's a concern as yeah. a parent, but this is like taking that to the yeah. extreme. Um, so this is, this is um, like I kind of talked about it earlier. It's both, it's right outside the autism spectrum mm. disorder or autism. So it's, it's hard to explain it, but I like to explain it like this. Um, if the green light is autism yeah. and the yellow light is high functioning autism or what they call Asperger's, yeah. then what would be technically below the red light, which, you know, imagine there's four lights would be social problematic <laughs> disorder. So what I am most concerned with is my son goes from zero to 60, like, literally like in the snap of a finger sometimes okay now he's gotten better through therapy at finding his nice. triggers so things that trigger yeah. him and trying to insert a like calming skill to get rid of that but he's not completely yeah. there yet so here's my concern and I can actually give you a great example of a positive experience, but what in my mind was happening last year, my son played football, tackle football for the first time. We were out of practice and every single time before practice, um, I ask him if he gets his homework done because we literally are driving straight from me, picking him up from school to the practice. So I'm asking him in his car, once I actually park, then I go through and we check his homework because he doesn't, he's not allowed to practice or play unless he gets his homework done. Okay. I'm that kind <laughs> of a parent. Yes. Um, so, and his coaches already know this. So he's like, I got my homework done. I got my homework done. I got my homework done. 
Now, at this point, we were working on re-earning trust as well. So I was like, okay, Blake, go ahead and get started with your warm-ups. I'm going to check your homework, but I'll call you over after your warm-ups. Okay. So I'm giving him this leeway of I'm trusting you now. He did not do his homework. He did like a page of his homework, which I congratulated him on. I said, like, you did a page. I said, but you also have four other pages. Yeah. So we had to have a little discussion about that. He got so upset about this discussion. I was like, well, you know, once you're done with practice, like you're going to have to do your homework and now you won't have extra TV time because you didn't say, you know, he, at this point, you know, he didn't quite say the truth about his homework. So he got so upset that he actually tried to run away from practice. Um, And where we were having practice on, it was three blocks away from a major highway. And he decided to run in his cleats in, he actually threw his helmet down, but he had his pads on still in his pads up the three blocks and run down the major highway. Now, meanwhile, I'm running after him. I'm literally running. I chased him eight blocks. I'm on the phone with his coach. I ended up having to tell the coach to call the police because I didn't know where he was going. He was heading toward this major highway. And then out of nowhere, my son's very, very fast. And again, he was much younger and I'm 32 and I'm not that fast. (laughs) I mean, I can run, but I'm not that fast. Um, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't catch up with him and he turned the corner and then I couldn't find him. Wow. So I was like, I don't know where he is. We weren't familiar with this neighborhood. I'm thinking again, all these crazy mom thoughts. Did somebody kidnap him? Did he fall down? So I'm looking around, I'm trying to find him. I couldn't find him. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to panic. I'm just going to start walking back towards the practice. Like, and get to where the I'll be able to find the police, right? So the police were already called. The coach actually called the police mm-hmm. for me um, to describe the situation and to say, you know, this child just ran away on a major highway, like not a, like um, like a highway you have to get on and there's no people running, like a highway like in your town. Yes. Does that make sense? But it was still like a big right. place. And so like I'm here, I'm freaking out. And then all of a sudden I have the thought of, oh my God, what if the police find my kid and he's upset and he starts yelling yes. at them and he starts getting verbal and physical with the police. I'm like, they're going to hurt him. Like that was my initial thought. And then I start getting like, I actually started crying because I'm like, I need to find him before yes. the police do. I'm so afraid at this point because he doesn't know how to explain yet to people what his condition Mm -hmm. is um so he basically is like i'm i have very similar tendencies to autism that's what he'll say which is true but he doesn't technically have autism but when you say i have very similar tendencies to autism people are trained there are there's more training on how to deal with a child with autism that's out there for everyone police teachers um even now some restaurants and um, 
supermarkets are doing it. So he he knows that if he says that, that they'll understand a little bit better than him having to talk a whole spiel about what his condition is. So I was so thankful. So that's the negative experience that is in my mind. None of this actually yeah. happened. Here's what actually happened. I'm walking up the main street. The police see me. They actually pull over. The police get out of my car, out of the car. They ask me what's going on. I'm, I'm like a mess. I'm crying. I'm on the phone with his coach. His coach is like looking for him. You know, then the other coach is trying to run the practice. Still, his play, the players are worried about him. The players want to come out and look for him. The coach is like, you guys can't do this. So, like, everyone's worried about him. I got other parents. I'm crying. I'm thinking this other, you know, now he tells me this other police officer is looking for my son. So, I'm like, please tell him he has autism. Because, again, like I said, they don't know what social pragmatic yeah. disorder is. And that's the first thing I said before I said anything else to this police officer. Because I'm like, he needs to know that if my son, unfortunately, is angry right now and he's triggered, if he says something, he doesn't always mean it. Or if he acts a certain way, he doesn't always mean it. So the officer radioed over and told him. At that very moment, I'm starting to explain to him what my son actually has. I was like, so I just want to let you know, that's the first thing that we're told to say by our behavioral therapist because... He actually has this. And I explained to him what he actually has. I said, but he right now he's angry and I don't know what he's going to do. And I don't want anyone to react to him in this negative light that could potentially very seriously happen. And he said, okay, I understand. He was very gracious and courteous about it. As I'm talking to him, my son comes around the corner and there's another police officer in his car, like driving really slow and just kind of letting my son walk towards me. Um, once he saw that my son was like not running anymore and walking towards us, he parked his vehicle and he got out of the car. He walked over and he was just very cordial. He stood his distance from Blake. He basically was just making sure that he wasn't going to run away again. And they start talking about football. Like Mm -hmm. the whole conversation is great. Like they're talking about football. They're asking him what position he plays. And they're like, okay, well, do you want us to come back to practice with you? Cause like, we're going to go over there anyways. You know, they literally came to his practice and then came to his game that same week. And like just made it such a positive experience for him. I was so grateful. Um, I actually ended up writing a letter to the police chief because I was so grateful for this experience. Like, and I I just, like I said, you, you don't tend to think about these things when You're in society, even at a restaurant, you know, you see a child who might be, uh, you know, autistic or, or, you know, having some behavioral issues. Um, Again, not all children have behavioral issues. Not all children have mental health issues. I understand that, but you just never know. So I just ask that, you know, you be patient or kind or, you know, just, you know, genuinely like, you know, say like, or to the parents, is there anything I can do yes. to help you? Can I get something for you? Do you need water? Even at offering water or, hey, you know, if they're if they're having a breakdown, can I get you something? Can I um, call somebody for you? Like saying those types of things helps or, hey, what's going on? Or, hey, can I, you know, in, in a genuine way, 
you know, can really make a difference. So I do think that the world needs to know that there are other things that are out there. Um, it's hard to know about everything, but I think the, just to break that stigma of if a child's acting up, quote unquote, and I use that verbiage liberally because it's not, I don't see it as acting up. It's a behavior issue. He doesn't do it um, because he wants to be bad. He does it because he either, there's a reason for it. He either wants attention or that's what he's emulating from another child or to get attention. Like there's a normally a reason behind, or cause he's not getting his way, which right. yes, in that so sense, he's acting, out, not acting up. Yes, actually. Yeah. That's the perfect word. You just, you just used the perfect word. Thank you. Um, you know, just to kind of take a second back and say, okay, well, there must be something going on not to be so judgmental or make rude comments. Like, you know, I just think that yes, the world needs a little bit more education. Um, and kindness above all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I enjoyed having you on this show. Uh, amazing story. Uh, um, anything else you feel like you want to share um, about yourself, about pageantry, about everything that you just mentioned? Uh, feel free to uh, take this time out and share that information. Well, I would just love to tell your listeners, um, I know we're talking a lot more about mental health, but speaking about non-judgment, you know, I just want to let your listeners know that, yes, I'm a pageant queen, <laughs> and not all pageant queens are uh, either unintelligent or don't have a motive. So you guys have just heard my story about me getting out in my community. I actually have been in my community for over 10 years before I actually ever did a pageant. I've been competing in pageantry for five years. My most recent title, um, which I still have right now, I was able to represent my heritage. So where my ancestors come from, which is currently Mrs. Germany World through the Mrs. World Organization. So it's a pageant for married women. It's one of the largest and longest standing pageants for married women in the entire world. Um, it's just been amazing for me to find a platform to speak my voice and have amazing things. But what I love about pageantry is that there are women from every single place in the world. There are women of every size. And even though, yes, I am blonde and yes, I'm tall. I'm not thin by any means. Um, I have hips and I have curves. And as you guys can hear, I'm not perfect. I have a lot of struggles in my life, but To me, that's what makes pageantry great. I also just want to tell your listeners, you know, thank you guys um, for letting me talk about my story. Um, This is really the, you know, second, I think this is like the second time I've actually really gone into more depth about the mental health aspect of what I've faced through challenges with my son. And I also just want your listeners to know that you know, right now, even like I said, be, even though we've went through these struggles, we were doing amazing. And it's only because we have built an amazing network around us. And I have found what I call my tribe. You know, I have an amazing support group. My husband is, I don't like, he's just amazing. I don't even know what else to say about him. He's just, sometimes I'm like, oh, geez, like, did he really know what he was getting into? But he's just been, great because you know he's dealt with my mental health issues just 
my walls, you know, my barriers, you know, my family's amazing. His family is amazing. His family loves my kids. They, they love me. Um, and I just think that that's so important that my message to your listeners is just love more and be kind. And if there's anything that you want to know more about me, just send me a message. You know, if you want to talk to me about pageantry, talk to me about pageantry. If you want to talk to me about heart health, talk to me about heart health. If you want to ask me how I am starting my nonprofit about cutting hair for free, um, ask me about that. Um, so I'm pretty much an open book. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so it's okay for me to leave the link to your Facebook in my description box below. Absolutely. Yeah. You can leave my Facebook. I got Instagram. I got Twitter. I mean, not really on Twitter as much, but yeah, you guys can message me. Um, I work out every day. I normally post a workout video. So, you know, love it, comment, join me, laugh at me. I don't even care. It's fun. You know, I laugh at myself sometimes. I'm like falling in some of the videos, Um, you know, so yeah, please reach out. And like I said, um, if there's anything that I can do to help you, um, whether it's tell your story or find a resource in your state. Um, I'm definitely, you know, I'm definitely one of those people that I will try my best to help you out if I can. Nice. Appreciate you coming on the show. Once again, uh, anything else you want me to have in the description box below, just send me a message um, and then I'll make sure I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, But once again, Appreciate you for coming to the show. Really, really inspiring story uh, for you, your son, uh, your husband as well. Um, uh, once again, I don't know what else to say. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just moved by by the story, honestly, um, and what you're going through and what you've been through. So, uh, just keep up the good fight. Keep going. That's for you and your son and the, the rest of your family as well. Once again, I appreciate you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So there you have it. The interview that went very well. (laughs) But yeah, that's the uh, interview I had with uh, Sandell Taylor. Once again, Sandell, if you listen to this, appreciate you for coming on the show. Appreciate you for detailing your story Uh, like I said this this woman is very interesting Um, and I would love to have her back you know and maybe she'll come back you know Um, but that that's it people that's the episode Um, feel free to once again reach out to Sandel if you want to thank her for coming on the show or you want to reach out to her and talk about the mini uh, you know hats that she wears and all the business ventures and stuff you want to collab with her work with her on some things or whatever go hit up her instagram check her out on instagram uh you could hit up her facebook as well um all of that would be in the description box below along with the other things as well if you want to support the podcast hit that support tab wherever you listen to this podcast hit up the paypal or cash app any amount helps and it's appreciated or you can subscribe to the podcast uh share the podcast out share this episode out as well also please leave a rating please leave a rating wherever you're listening to this podcast if you are able to rate the podcast please leave 
a rating, typically the highest rating, or, you know, preferably the highest rating, but rate it however you want to rate it. Just leave one. Um, that's pretty much appreciated. And that would be the end of this episode. Before I go, like I said, I was in the, in the intro, I was going to say a rest in peace to Victoria Sims. She is the other woman who was murdered with uh, with Toyin Salah. Uh, so, uh, rest in peace to her as well. Uh, until then, until next episode, stay black. If you are black, stay beautiful. Black Lives Matter, LGBTQIA Lives Matter. Trans Lives Matter, Black Trans Women Matter, Black Trans Men Matter, Black Women Matter, Black Men Matter, and you matter, whoever you are. And I'm out. Peace.